All right, let's let's start in with the Indianapolis Colts and little Carson Wentz. And and I know I talked about him on the last pod. And, uh, I was pretty optimistic, I would say. I had an optimistic outlook just because I like the team in general. I, I think what the Colts have right now is they're building a team for a winner, and they have a winning team. Players all over the place that can play. And as I say that, muff punt by the Dallas Cowboys. Pittsburgh Steelers get the ball at like the 15. God, I love that football's back. Freaking pumped up. Anyway, I digress. Let's skip back into this. So the Colts, they're looking to win right now. And as we talk, as I talked about, you know, the beginning of the week, what are they going to roll out? Jacob Eason, Sam Ellinger. They're going to try to go get someone. Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, you know. And now Nick Foles is coming out on the whim. I mean, they got you got to figure they got to go get somebody or got to try to stick it out with these two young guys, but they have a team that wants to win right now. They're built to win right now. The next couple of years, that's their window. They got all these guys before they have to start paying everybody. I mean, they got Jonathan Taylor. They, they, they you know, they, they hit good on uh, the rookie wide receiver last year. You know, they, they got they got plenty of defensive players. They got an offensive line, even though Quentin Nelson now has the exact same injury that Carson Wentz has. He's projected to be back around week five, maybe week four of the season. But that fucking sucks. Now you go losing your quarterback, and now you lose the best player on your offense in your left guard, which is crazy, or right guard. It, it's pretty—he plays left, left guard. He's the best player now. He's out with the same injury. It's nuts. It's crazy. So they're looking to win right now. And Nick Foles had a at a press conference. He's a, he's a Chicago Bear. He Nick Foles is currently the third string quarterback. You have Andy Dalton, Justin Fields, and then Nick Foles. Well, he's thrown with the third stringers. In, in, in his press conference, you know, he pretty much told Frank Wright to come and get him without saying those words. But also in his press conference, you know, he alluded to the fact that, hey, him and Carson, they just don't mesh. They just don't get along. And to me, personally, I don't think you can do that. I don't think you can bring in Nick Foles because it's going to ruin the fabric of what you've built. The Philadelphia Eagles built a statue of this man after they won the Super Bowl. Built a statue for Nick Foles. And it pretty much felt like they discarded what Carson Wentz did for them the entire season. Played an MVP level. Got Carson Wentz is the one that got them to the number one overall seed. Carson Wentz got them the whole field advantage. Nick Foles didn't play there. Nick Foles played the end of the season with the last two games in the playoff games. And he was average, below average, poor, average, and great. That's just what he was. And they built a statue. And it pretty much tore Nick. I mean, Carson Wentz's. I mean, it everything just started collapsing from there. It, it, that's that's when everything just started collapsing. And now you're gonna bring in Nick Foles, the same backup that took over for him. I don't think that meshes well. I don't think I would do that. But at the same time, I'm the Indianapolis Colts, and I want to win football games. What is my job to win football games? If I'm Chris Ballard, I'm fuck. I built this team. I constructed this team to win right now. We have everything we need except for a quarterback. So let's go get one. Well, Nick Foles has ties for Frank Wright. Nick Foles knows the system. It it, it makes somewhat sense to bring Nick Foles back. The only thing it doesn't make sense is the complete total mindfuck it might have on your locker room. I would rather bring up Phillip Rivers than bring Nick Foles. But Phillip Rivers already said that he's he's leaving the window back to a a return open, but he's going to finish coaching high school, his high school team, before he comes back to the league and plays for them. 
So I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, shit, man, if, if I'm the Colts, I, I don't want to roll out with Jacob Eason. I don't want to roll out with Sam Ellinger. I, what am I going to do? I mean, Carson could be back. He could not be back. And even if Carson's back, is he any good? So is this season just a complete fuck? I mean, if you're just looking at Chris Ballard, you got to go and try to do something. So maybe you do go and try to bring in Nick Foles. You got to do that. And, and, and I'm sitting here and I'm putting my man in. I, I, right now I'm thinking of it as like a Carson Wentz perspective. As a general manager, I don't want this guy that I just... I, I mean, look, I didn't pay too much for him, but I'm paying him a lot of money. I didn't give up a lot of capital, but I gave up some, right? And he's I'm, I'm banking on him being my franchise guy, resurrecting his career, being the guy. And now I'm going to bring in somebody who's going to completely maybe mindfuck him, somebody that, that has, already, has already been on a team before, has already replaced him, had a statue built of him. I don't know if I would do that. And I go back and forth on it, but I want to win games. And so if Nick Foles is the best place, best person, I think, to win me games, which I don't think he is, I'd rather take Phillip Rivers. I'd probably rather take Mar Marcus Mariota than Nick Foles. But if Nick Foles is what it's going to be, the best chance to win games, then I'm here to win games. That's what I'm here to do. I get paid. that My job is to build a team so we can win games, if I'm Chris Ballard, if I'm the general manager. That is my job, right? My job is not to worry about if this player is going to take this and get all butt hurt and fucking make his career go back down the toilet. Nick Wright, Nick Wright, who's a he's a sports and I'm sure most of you know who Nick Wright is. He's on Fox, off uh, FS1, and he was on he was on the herd today or yes I think it was yesterday, and he said something that kind of stuck with me. He said, "Look, you can have you need your quarterback to be it has to be one of two things. They can either be physically unavailable." or emotionally unavailable, but they can't be both. And Carson Wentz right now is both, right? He, he's physically unavailable. Physically, he is unavailable to play. And also, his mental state is his, his so fragile. He's so sensitive. And you kind of have to, you know, kind of a little Aaron Rodgers-y maybe. Little, little Aaron Rodgers walk on eggshells just a little bit. Kind of got to make sure he's happy. And so if you bring in Nick Foles as a completely do a 180 on his mindset, and all of a sudden now you have a quarterback who can't who can't stay healthy, and now his mind is completely fucked. You can't have that as a quarterback. You gotta have one of you you can be you can be, you know, all sorts of fucking, you know, sensitive and all you want. Aaron Rodgers is all you want if you win games. I mean, I know Aaron Rodgers gets hurt, but I wouldn't say Aaron Rodgers is injury prone. Right? I mean, the dude has a Super Bowl, multiple MVPs. Like, yeah, he's gotten hurt and has injuries in his career, but he plays quarterback and he gets hit a lot, so he's going to. Right? So you can be Aaron Rodgers. You can be prickly. You can be extra emotional. You can be overly sensitive, but you got to be available. Or you can just, you know, be kind of like Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo, who's not very much, who's not available all the time, but you know you don't need to worry about him. The, the San Francisco 49ers aren't worried about Jimmy Garoppolo getting in trouble. They're not worried about his mental mind state. They're not worried about any of that. But Carson Wentz now, it's like, shit, he's both. He's physically not there, and mentally, he's also unavailable. Because at any point in time, who knows what kind of dark hole this guy can go down. Does he have nightmares about Nick Foles? I might. If I'm Carson Wentz, I might have nightmares about Nick Foles. I had an MVP season. I was amazing, killing it. And then I get hurt. And then my team wins the Super Bowl because we have the number one overall seed. We're able to get home field advantage, rely on our offensive line and defense. Nick Foles made some plays, had a great Super Bowl, and then you build a statue of him and I pretty much get nothing. 
That's essentially what it is. Now, he didn't get nothing because he has a Super Bowl ring. And so if you walk away with a Super Bowl ring, you don't get nothing. And clearly, if if Carson Wentz was not the starting quarterback, if Nick Wolves was a starting quarterback that entire season, I do not believe the Philadelphia Eagles win the Super Bowl. Nick Foles came in at the right time and did what a backup quarterback is supposed to do. But at the same time, the Philadelphia in that whole staff and the team, you know, it's like as soon as you won, it didn't matter. It didn't matter what Carson does. It didn't matter what he could do. It's just they, they anointed Nick Foles. They built a statue. That's heavy and that's tough. And for somebody who's not really emotionally available, he's not. Carson's just not emotionally or mentally available. And unless he fixes that, or he can stay healthier. Don't know if this marriage with him and the Colts, or this marriage with him as an NFL quarterback playing that position, is gonna work. All right, I don't want to spend too much time on this because I don't know if it's, I don't think, and I don't expect it to to carry much weight at the moment. But apparently, and this is from multiple sources on both the Houston side and the Philadelphia side, that conversations are heating up. For a trade with Deshaun Watson to go to the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, unless Philadelphia and Howie Roseman have some type of inside knowledge and Deshaun's going to be all good, I cannot see them making this trade. Now, I'm not surprised it's Philadelphia that's in the headline for this because what does Howie Roseman do? Howie Roseman wheels in deals. Howie Roseman's in every de- There is not a deal. And that happens in the league without Howie Roseman not knowing about it because he probably wanted a piece of that action first. This man is the ultimate wheeler and dealer. I love Howie. I think he's one of the best GMs in the league. I think he'll, I think he'll, he, if, if Sirianni can coach, which I don't know if he can, but if Nick Sirianni can coach and then get that, I think, I think Howie Roseman's the guy to get that shit back on track. You know, he, I mean, he's shown it in the past. It's not, it's not like these guys that he's picking. Are, are misses, or, or the free agents he's signing are misses, or, you know, the, the coaches he hiring are misses, well, I mean, that is yet really main to be seen, I mean, the a lot of the guys that he's brought in already have been really good, but is Canceriani coach, I don't know, so I don't want to spend too much time on this, but Deshaun to Philadelphia will completely change the dynamic of the NFL, because you have a great quarterback going from the AFC to the NFC, that's always a huge thing, Tom Brady did that, went from the AFC to the NFC, and then you have, you also have a high star caliber quarterback who has super, super high ceiling, is an amazing player already, and not only that, he has all this legal issue, and then he'll go and play in the Philadelphia Eagles in the NFC East with the Dallas Cowboys and the Washington football team and the New York football giants. That, ladies and gentlemen, would be a hell of a division, and, and it would be for very entertainment television. And if I'm Jerry Jones, I halfway want that. Because I know that's going to make my Cowboy games, my Cowboy-Eagle games, which are already them and the Giants and them and the Eagles are like the highest rated games every single year. Well, guaranteed that Eagle-Cowboy game will be the highest rated game every single year. But at the same time, do you want to play Deshaun Watson? It, it, you know, if he clears all this legal stuff, I wouldn't want him in my division. Well, why, why, why would I? The dude is really good. So it's something, you know, maybe, maybe... There's more to it that we don't know. Maybe teams do. Maybe Deshaun paid this off, or maybe this is just gone, and we don't really know, and there's a lot of money involved, and that's why we don't know. I don't expect anything to happen, but to hear that, you know, maybe the Philadelphia Eagles are sniffing around, 
I, it doesn't surprise me. I'm not, oh, you know, they're going to trade for him. It doesn't surprise me that it's Howie Roseman, you know, sniffing around for a little Deshaun Watson action. Sorry, they're playing the music. The game just ended. 16-3. to Pittsburgh Steelers with the Dallas Cowboys for the Hall of Fame game. First preseason game of the, of the year. Man, I'm so glad football's back. Woo! I'm glad football's back. So let's keep let's just keep talking about football, but let's transition from the NFL real quick to college football because college football's been it's been a hotbed. I mean, it's been a topic, and I'm a big college football guy. We're gonna keep talking about this. It is now official. Oh, uh, uh, Oklahoma and Texas will be in the SEC. Okay, the, in 2025, they, they will start being a part of the sub, su- southern southern east, southeastern conference, whatever it is, southern eastern southeastern conference. And there are other teams currently, Clemson, uh, a couple other Big 12 schools that are making the call, that are seeing, hey, could we get in here too? The landscape of college football is changing right in front of our eyes. It's going to happen quickly. It's in, the ne- in 10 years, it's going to be completely different. In 5, 6, 7 years, it's going to be completely different. I mean, it's 2021, so we have four, four seasons, four years until until Texas and Oklahoma make that transition. But do you, you really not think that stuff's going to happen before then? They're going to start making transitions before then. Things are going to are going to roll, and they're going to roll quickly. And other schools are going to make the transition to SEC, or the Big 12, or the Big 10, or maybe or maybe we have conferences merge. But it's going to be a huge shakeup. I, I, I personally think, and I've been saying this for a while, I think they should maybe do two, two divisions like the NFL does it. Have two divisions... Maybe something around 30 teams in a division. Maybe you can take the top 50 teams and split it up 25 and 25. Top 60 teams whatsoever. Something like that. I think maybe that could be on the horizon in the next 10 years or so. But college football is changing. I'm excited for this season for college football because last season was a joke unless it was the SEC or Big Big 12. I mean, the Big 10 came in like what? I mean, six weeks into the year, the I mean, the Pac-12 played like seven games total. It was terrible. So I'm excited for college football this year, and I'm ex- I mean, I'm kind of excited for all these changes. 12-team playoff, you know, these uh, uh, big schools are switching conferences. I I mean, I think some of the tradition's gonna go. I do. I think there's gonna be some tradition that gets lost in this whole thing. But look, if you're not getting better, you're getting worse, and you got to be growing. And these are businesses at the end of the day. It's a cash cow. It's a business. And this is—it is what you got to do. It's where the money is. It's where—it's where you're gonna go and be successful. And I think in the next couple, of, you know, five, ten years, I think I'm gonna like the way college football looks. I—I I do. I think I'm gonna like the way it looks. So Jimmy Garoppolo, who is currently QB one of the San Francisco 49ers, currently, but as we talked about earlier in the week, Trey Lance, the buzz is a brewing. As they, as they, as the kids like to say, and it's a brewing a big time. And Kyle likes him, and like I said, obviously you can't really trust what a coach says. Okay, uh, anything anybody says in August, any coach that said, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, in July, I just don't really believe him. Okay, it's not about what you say; it's about what you show me. So we're gonna see him excited for these preseason games. Excited to see a little Trey Lance, a little Jimmy G action. See what happens. However. All this stuff is just kind of, look, Kyle Shanahan gave us so many hints before the draft. He was looking us right in the face and telling us what he was doing. 
And I, I, I only read some of it. I said, this is, this is what he's telling you we're doing here, people. This is what he's doing. No, it's still Mac Jones. I'm telling you, people, this is what he's doing. Still Mac Jones. Well, it wasn't Mac Jones, and now all those people, they got a little egg on their face, right? Well, here we go. You know, I think Kyle Shanahan is telling us what he's doing. Because the hype on Jimmy Garoppolo, the amount of good news that has come out every single day, since training camp opened for the San Francisco 49ers about Jimmy Garoppolo has been absolutely ridiculous. Coaches do not do this. Kyle Shanahan has not done this. Go back. Go back and look at all uh, through, through through the last, technically this is Kyle's fifth fifth training camp, fifth preseason. Go back and look at the other four. He doesn't, he did, him, John Lynch wasn't doing the same either. They weren't praising Jimmy like they were. Oh, Jimmy's been out, absolutely outstanding. He's been the best player on our team so far this training camp. He's doing everything right. He's in the playbook. Jimmy's rehabbing. He's 100% healthy. He, this guy is just taking and he's blowing our minds every day. He's just blowing us every single day. Blowing everybody. Uh, okay. All right. And, you know, Jimmy very well could be having a great training camp. And the Niners could be very, very happy with him. But the Niners know... Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch know that next year, no matter what, Trey Lance is going to be the starter. And I think Kyle, little shocked on how maybe Trey picked things up in OTAs and the beginning of you know in, in summer workouts in the beginning of training camp. I think Kyle's a. I think Kyle's like, yeah, this guy kind of picked it up a little faster than I thought. Okay, this guy might be a little bit more fine tuned than what we realized on tape when we finally got him in the building, right? When we finally started working, when he was able to get the playbook, when he was able to get a workout regimen, when he was able to get the diet, when he was able to settle in, when he was able to do everything, this guy took it to a little bit further than I thought he was going to be able to. So now maybe Kyle's going, all right, well, maybe we could trade Jimmy this year. Maybe maybe trading Jimmy G is an option this year. And, and that all depends on when Trey's ready to start. And Kyle's already said that. Trey will let me know when he's ready to start. What if Trey is currently letting Kyle know? Now, we don't really know shit until we see him in a preseason game. Because that, that's when you really get to see things. Can this guy make the throws that he's making in practice? Because in practice, he can't get touched. I don't even care if you have pads on. If you're a quarterback, you wear that red jersey, guess what? You can't touch the quarterback. Guess what happens if you touch the quarterback? It's not going to be good for you. It's probably going to be an offensive lineman in your asshole, along with your coach. Because if you touch the quarterback, offensive linemen don't like that. They don't like when you touch their quarterback. They'll start fighting you. Trust me, I've been there, done that. Coaches don't like that. We've had two fights this this week alone. One in New York and one in Detroit. I'm going to talk about the one in Detroit. The one in New York uh, with Joe Judge. There was a, 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 I don't know, was the play gone wrong, whatever. Daniel Jones was trying to scramble out and then... You know, two guys kind of guarded getting into it, and then they rolled over on top on top of Daniel Jones's leg. J- of course, you know what is Joe Judge going to do? He's going to freak out because if Daniel Jones in that instance was to tear his ACL, break his leg, whatever he may have done, strained anything, yeah, your season's over. And Daniel Jones isn't even like I mean, is Daniel Jones the guy? But Daniel Jones is better than anything else you can roll out. Who are you going to roll out? Colt McCoy? Is that your backup? Colt McCoy? I don't think so. And you know what ha- you know you know what they did to that guy that 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 got in the he was like a th- they cut him. You don't hit the quarterback. You get cut if you hit the quarterback. Don't do it. 
And so you don't really, we don't, we're not really going to know shit until we see him in preseason, until we see him in real live action. But I'm excited to. And I think some of this Jimmy Garoppolo hype up talk that John Lynch is just pouring into everybody and Kyle Shanahan is pouring into everybody and D'Amico Ryans is saying how, how Jimmy Garoppolo in, on, on 11 on 11 is carving up his defensive schemes. Fred Warner, he, he made Fred Warner look silly a couple times. Get the fuck out of here. Jimmy Garoppolo does, is not a hard practice player. He's been in the league for almost a decade now. We have literal history and evidence of him not being the best practice player. And now you're telling me he's making one of the best middle linebackers in the game look foolish? I don't buy it. I don't buy it. I, uh, you know what I do buy? Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch went, fuck, we could maybe trade this guy earlier than we thought. It could be early on in the season. Maybe when a, maybe when a team's desperate, the Colts. Maybe if the Colts get so desperate, they decide to bring all that money. I can't see it because it's just so much money to pay both those guys. I just, and to bring in someone who gets hurt, I don't see it. But there could be a team out there that's desperate. That just, you know, let's just get a quarterback in here. You know, maybe they're, a quarterback goes down. What about like a Daniel Jones? You know, what about a guy like that? What about a, like a Sam Darnold? You know, he goes down, he gets, he's out for the season. Like, okay, well, Sam Darnold, the guy anyway, we're not going to pick up, we're not, I mean, we're not going to, we're probably going to cut him now. He just got hurt. He couldn't even play the whole season. Why don't we get this guy, Jimmy Garoppolo, in? I mean, he's played some games. Let's see what we can do. It can happen. And I think Kyle might be leaning towards on the fence, hey, we could maybe get this guy out here earlier than we thought. You know, I, I, I think originally Kyle thought that there really wasn't any way he was going to trade Jimmy Garoppolo this year unless the unless the pot was super super sweet and why would the pot be that sweet for Jimmy G you know this is not 2017 2016 Jimmy G the pot was sweet for him then it's not so sweet anymore a little bitter a little very you know achy and hurty it kind of smells old you know it's it's like you know it still has some good flavor when you eat it but you know that it's not going to last very long. You know, it's not. Maybe it's not even something worth putting in the fridge. Maybe it's not even something worth saving. But Jimmy G could maybe bring some value to a team like that. And he can maybe get traded this year if Trey is ready to go. And I think that is the most interesting story of the, of the season. It has to be. It, it just does. He was, was the third overall pick. The Niners traded from 12 to 3 to get him. We had all this is going to be Jones, is going to be Fields, is going to be Lance, and and now we're here. We're at the climax. We have all climaxed, and, and it's at the tipping point, and we're at the top of the roller coaster, and we're about to take that drop, and we're going to see what happens at that drop. Is there a loop? Is it a corkscrew? Is it just, are we just going straight? I don't know, because I can't see over it yet. But when I do... I'll know, and it's probably only going to take me, I mean, maybe a game. That's, I mean, there's stories, these players, they, these rookies come in, these players come in, it's, you know, one practice. They, they see a couple plays, they know if this guy can play or not. It's not hard. So we'll know. We'll, we should be able to know pretty early if Trey is popping on the screen or not. And then that's going to be interesting on what they do with Jimmy G. It's going to be interesting on how teams are going to react to everything that's going on in San Francisco because I think it's very positive for Jimmy G. He looks good. And when you look good, even though you might not taste the best, you might not smell the best, you might not you know you might not be the best, but you look good. You look appetizing. You think that's going to work for me. You know it just is. Just look at it. That 
is Jimmy Garoppolo. Because that was Nick Foles. That was Nick Foles. He looked good. He just looked so tasty in the moment. We got to get him. We got to pay him all this money. And he doesn't do shit. So Jimmy Garoppolo could look really good to a team. And the Niners could maybe, I don't know, maybe recover a second round pick for Jimmy Garoppolo? Third round pick for Jimmy Garoppolo? I don't know. I think that might be a little rich. But if a team gets desperate, and we're talking week three, week four, week five, Trey's ready to go. See what happens to San Fran. All right, let's uh, let's talk a little Dan Campbell in the Detroit Lions. I don't know how much I've actually talked about the Lions on this podcast. Honestly, unless I wasn't talking about Dan Campbell or before Matthew Stat before he got traded, I don't think I've talked about the Lions. But Dan Campbell. And the Lions, uh, yesterday in practice, a, a couple players, they're two rookies, Amon, uh, Aramon St. Brown, I, I, something I just butchered that name. But him, the rookie wide receiver, and their rookie DB got into it at practice. As usual, wide receivers and DBs do. I've seen it my entire playing career, which was not very long, So I've seen, and I've seen a lot of it happen. And it's just what wide receivers and DBs do. They go after each other. But apparently this got into a little bit of a blows, screaming. They were shoving. They got to the ground. They were. It was a very physical fight. And when Dan Campbell was, was asked about it after practice at his press conference, I, I absolutely loved what he said. I loved what he said, and it's making me kind of turn my head a little bit around on Dan Campbell and maybe the Lions. That after he was questioned, he, he was asked about the fight between... Rookie wide between the two rookies, one wide receiver, one corner. Campbell said, "Yeah, I mean, I was fired up because they were competing, man. I wanted to see both two young bucks go after it, like they really wanted. They were competing. When I read that, that shit fired me up, man. Because that's that's man, that's what I want my coach to be like on the on, on, man. I want my coach to be fired up." If I get in a fucking scuffle with this guy, it's not like we're going to kill each other. It's not like I'm going to this guy and we're going to fight after practice. No, we, 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 we play an aggressive sport. And with a, lot, with a lot of guys around, there's a lot of testosterone building around on a football field. Okay, and you know what? Some, somebody can hit somebody the wrong way. Somebody can say something someone doesn't like. And you know what happens? You go at it. And it gets physical. You know what you do on one-on-ones, Oklahoma drills, all that shit? You go at it, and it gets physical. It's a big boy league. That's I, I say it, I don't know, every pod. This is a big boy league. Dan Campbell, I might be, I don't know if he could coach, but I might, I, I feel like I'm already a little off base. I judged him a little hard when he came in. The whole bite kneecap things on, uh, you know, on his press conference, that was a little much, and then I, I went in a lot of that. But since then, Dan Campbell has really impressed me. He's impressed me about how he coaches his players. He's impressed me about how he talks to the media. He impresses me by how he runs his practices. I, I, I'm, imp- I'm, I'm changing my opinion here on Dan Campbell. I don't know if he can coach. Maybe he's just a rah-rah guy. Maybe he's just a guy that fires me up. Because that's the kind of guy that fires me up. A guy that that's excited, his two rookies are just going at it, two young bucks trying to make the team, getting physical with each other, talking shit. That's what I want to see. If I'm a coach, if I'm a GM, if I'm a scout, that's what I'm looking for on the sideline. That's fuck yeah, that's what I'm looking for. That's what Dan's looking for. That's that's the kind of guy I want to play for. 
The Lions, I think this Lions team might be a little physical this year. Let's not, I, I'm not trying to say the Lions are going to be a great team. They're not. They'll be lucky if they win four games. But I think the Lions are going to be in a lot of scrappy games. Those divisional games, the, the, the Packers, uh, the Vikings, the Bears, I mean, there's no cakewalk. What, what, if the, what if the Packers lose one of those games? Just a hard-fought fucking Dan Campbell type of game. And the Packers lose to the Lions, which I don't think has happened in like 10 years or whatever. And I, it's pretty probably not going to happen. But I'm, all I'm saying is th- this attitude and this culture of this team could actually maybe switching. Uh, they still have a disaster and a shit show of an ownership, a disaster and shit show of a, of a fucking city, and a disaster shit show of a stadium. But other than those three, I kind of like what Detroit has. I kind of like Dan Campbell. You know, I don't really like Jared Goff all that much, but I don't hate Jared Goff. I think he can be manageable. I like I like some of the pieces they have all around. I, I hate that they gave they gave up Holiday, but I think they I think some of their running backs are good. I think their offensive line is steady. Their defense can they have some young playmakers. The Lions aren't going to be shit. The Lions aren't going to be good. Four wins, five wins. But all I'm saying is I think this attitude of this team when you watch them is not going to be the normal Lions, and that's a good thing if you're a Lions fan. That's a great thing. And I'm kind of, you know, I'm kind of excited to see if what Dan Campbell can bring to this team. Because if it's more shit that just fires me up, I'm all about that, baby. Okay, I wanted to just, I just wanted to talk about the preseason for a second. And what the preseason is. And what it means. I, I, I've been asked by multiple people here in the last couple of days. One just recently, just a couple hours ago. By my, by, by Jeff, my first guest on the show, Jeffrey Sin. And you all remember him if you listen to that episode. Great episode. If you haven't, go listen to it because it's a really good episode. But he he actually asked me today, you know, what is actually the whole importance of the preseason? Because when I'm talking to him about it, you know, I'm telling him a lot of these starters don't start. And, and, and you know, it's, it's it's guys trying to make – and he just – he was like, well, what are they doing then? Why are they playing these games? What's the whole necessary point? And as somebody who hasn't been, you know – deep into football since birth i understand how you can be looking and it's like wait it's just three games that don't matter oh it's just like warm-up games you know everybody has warm-up games essentially it's what they are so here's what the preseason is the preseason is an audition that's that's pretty much what it is it is an audition technically every single day of training camp for somebody who's not an established starter maybe someone that's not established on that team if you're a third round, fourth round, fifth round, sixth round, seventh, or undrafted free agent, every single day is an audition. It's it's like it's your practice, right? You're warming up and in, in, in literal practice. You're studying your lines. You're getting to know what the film is about. And then come the game, that's your audition. It's your one shot. Because the preseason is not about your Tom Brady's or your Aaron Rodgers or your Aaron Donald's or your Ezekiel Elliott's or your Big Ben's or the guys that you all know. Or even smaller guys that have been in the league a little bit. Your C.D. Lambs, your Juju Smith-Schusters. It's not about those guys. Yeah, sure, maybe it's good for some of those guys, maybe coming off injuries to get some reps. No, the, the preseason is about your third, your fourth, your fifth, your sixth, your seventh, and your undrafted free agents trying to make the roster. Right now, every team has about 70 guys on the roster. And they need to whittle that down by, I think, what's the last preseason? I think it's the the ninth is the... I think it's the first... I think it's by the first. September 1st, they have to have it whittled down to 54 guys. 
That's a lot. You work every week. Every week, a team has to cut a, a, a specific amount of players. They have to have a specific amount of players every week when that new week rolls in. That's why if you ever watched Hard Knocks, every episode, at the end of the episode, what do they do? They got to cut guys. And it's sad. And it sucks. But those are the guys that the preseason is for. It's for new coaches like your Brandon Staley's for your char- for the Los Angeles Chargers. It's for him to implement his game plan and see can, what everything that we've worked on, everything that I've been preaching, all these Zoom calls, all this playbook studying, can it come together on the field? Can it come together? Can, can, can this veteran who got hurt on this team two years ago, hasn't really been playing, he's been in and out, can he try to re- re- re-resurrect his career and have a good preseason, make some couple splashy plays? Uh, a good example is, is is it Kevin Highsmith, right? The guy that's trying to fill in for the Pittsburgh Steelers, for Bud Dupree. He's trying to fill in for him tonight, right? He's, he's, he wants to be the starter, and everyone expects him to be. But what if there's someone else behind him that just takes the job away from him? So he needs to stand up and shine. Sure, he might be the guy that everyone's saying he should be the guy, right? You should be there, but it doesn't mean he will. But what do you do tonight? He had two he had two tackles, one tackle for loss in a sack. And that's all you need in the preseason cuz that's how you make plays. That is making plays. That kid showed up and made plays today. Right? He 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 pretty much said, "Look, this job is fucking mine. If anybody else wants it, you got to do this better than me." And that's what the preseason is. It's an audition for 74 to 90 guys on each team. To prove to the coach and general manager that they belong on the team. The preseason is such a such an important part of the NFL season. However, it can go. The, these games do not have to be played. Here's why. In my opinion, and this is a lot of other football people's opinions, Bill Belichick, amongst others, I've just I'll name Jock Bill Belichick, because everybody knows him, thinks that joint practices would be more beneficial than an actual preseason game. A joint practice, for anybody that doesn't know that, is exactly what it sounds. A joint practice. Two teams, two different teams, practicing together. Now, this used to happen before last year, constantly. Now, with COVID, I don't, and now there's been talks with maybe not having them anymore. I know people like Bill, uh, Kyle, Sean, uh, uh, Andy Reid. Uh, there's a bunch of other, other coaches that love doing joint practices. Because you, at the end of the day, when you do a joint practice, you have your starters against their starters in a practice setting. Not a game setting, a practice setting where you're working to get better. And you're playing guys and you're running that offense or defensive scheme that you would normally run in your practice, but instead of running it on your offense or defense, you're running on another team's. So you get to see what you're working on with another team. And it's live. It's live. Now, there's still no quarterback hitting. It's still practice, but we're live. I mean, we get, I mean, you see it all the time on hard knocks. The fights break out. I just watched earlier today the one is like three or four years ago with uh, D Hop and D'Angelo Hall. D'Angelo Hall started talking a bunch of shit. You know, they're in Houston on a joint practice. And, and on the next play, Hopkins cooked them. And D Hall, like, tore his hamstring or whatever. It was terrible. But that's, that's, that makes you better. And there's less chance of risk involved. And you can still see so much out of these players by them just going against someone else that they don't normally go against. Because after you go against the same person and you see the same thing over and over and over again, well, guess what? You, you kind of start to get a little lackluster. But there are people in the football world 
me included, that believe that joint practices would actually be better than the preseason games. But it's not going to go away because the the NFL makes too much money even on these TV deals. This preseason game was on Fox today. It was on Fox. So Fox has to pay for that. So Fox literally just paid millions of dollars pretty much to have this preseason game that finished 16-3 to and not a single starter besides Najee Harris for the Steelers that's going to start week one started this game today. So, I mean, I think Claypool did too, right? So I guess Chase and Najee. You really only count. Nobody else did. You know, I mean, a couple of defensive players, I guess, if you want to count Highsmith and stuff, but really nobody else. So they paid millions of dollars to watch this game, but the NFL makes money off of that, and the NFL is going to keep making money off of this. So eventually we're just going to go to two preseason games because we're going to have 18 regular season games eventually. But the preseason is so important, and I, I hear a lot of people say the preseason doesn't matter. Just get away with it. It's so important for these coaches. It's so important for these players that are trying to make a team. It's so important for young guys that are trying to get their first contract, for old, for older veterans that are trying to resurrect their career, for seventh-round draft picks that are just trying to make it, you know, for coaches. Preseason is also really good for coaches, for, for the coaching tree to expand, for them to get better because what, what Kyle does – for the San Francisco 49ers is Kyle calls the plays, right? But when Kyle had Matt LaFleur, who is now the new offensive coordinator for the New York Jets, when Robert Sala left the Niners and went there, he took Matt LaFleur. He let Matt LaFleur call the plays in the second half of the first preseason game and then in every rest of the preseason games. So you as a coach get an opportunity that you normally would not get in a real-life game situation in the regular season. Kyle Shanahan's not going to say, yeah, you call the fucking plays. No, I'm calling the plays. It's my offense. It's my playbook. This is me. You know, but in the preseason, it's okay. It's You're just testing stuff out. You're auditioning. You're auditioning for the team. You're auditioning for other teams. Just because you're on one team and you get cut doesn't mean another team won't pick you up. Uh, one team can see what you did, and you might not fit this team's needs, but that other team that saw what you did, you fit their need. And now all of a sudden, boom, you just signed a two-year deal to the to the Dallas Cowboys, and you're like, oh man, let's go. Well, I, I, that's awesome. Because you were on you were you were making nothing. You were on the minimum. You were making five hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year. And you weren't even making all that. You were probably getting after taxes and everything about three K. And then with your house and all everything that you have to put in, you're not making shit. And really, when I say that, I mean you really pull hundred K in. But for these guys, it's not that much because of how much how much they have to put in. For their families and wear and tear on their bodies and how much they have time and effort they have to put in, that's not enough money to keep them going at a high enough level. So if you're able to show out, boom, maybe that team that you're playing with in the preseason doesn't like you or just is, you know what, I don't think it's gonna you don't you know, I just don't think you fit our scheme. Well, guess what? There's 31 other teams out there that you could fit their scheme with. And you're auditioning for those teams. If you're a coach, you're auditioning. If you're a player, you're auditioning. This is the time. This is for you to show up, step up, and say, I belong in this league. Preseason's important. It's very important to these coaches. I'm going to tell you that right now. It might not be super important to the media or me for my podcast or anything like that, but I'm telling you, these coaches, to Bill Belichick, to Kyle Shanahan, to Andy Reid, to Pete Carroll, uh, to all these coaches, the preseason is very, very, very important. To these general managers, the preseason is very, 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 very important. And personally, I love the preseason because you get to see guys. uh, Some of these guys I haven't seen since college, back when they were stars at wherever they were from. And I and some of these guys have even forgotten that they're on this team, and I get to see them. And oh man, 
you know, Tyler, whatever, you know, you're back, you know, loved you at Oklahoma. Look at him, look at him in the NFL in a preseason game, you know, yeah. You know, I, I like that. I like to, I like to watch guys I normally wouldn't watch because a lot of these guys you can see, they're the future. I mean, if you watch some of these preseason games, you can see, oh, okay, that rookie or that second year player in a year or two, man, he looks like he might have it, right? Because sometimes it takes a while. It takes a while to develop some traits, especially playing hard-ass defensive positions like defensive end. It's tough, but that's what the preseason is. But All right, I think that's going to do it for tonight. I appreciate everybody listening. Thank you as always. I hope you have a great weekend. Football is back. It is here. The preseason is officially kicked off. The Hall of Fame game was tonight. Uh, Hall of Fame tonight. Jimmy Johnson was inducted. Peyton Manning was inducted. Charles Woodson was inducted. Uh, more great players. It was a great night. Good night for football. I'm glad we're back. I'm excited. I can't wait to talk to everybody next week. Have a great weekend. Stay safe. See you.